This is D23 Inside Disney. We are going to take you through some of the best Disney stories of the week, get you an inside look at the people behind the magic of Disney. I'm Candace from Radio Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Jeffrey from D23. And we're the hosts that will take you inside Disney. Guys, it feels so good to hear your voices. Can I hear them, please? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Yay. Yay. It's great to hear yours, too. How are you guys? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing okay. Are you snacking, Jeffrey? Because I feel like we're at home and sometimes <laughs> we just like snack while we work. <laughs> I may be eating a cupcake. Is that wrong? <laughs> no. I was going to say maybe you were having a Mickey premium ice cream bar somehow or you were oh. actually at downtown Disney and didn't tell us. Gosh, <laughs> I wish. No, unfortunately. Yeah, I love a good Mickey premium ice cream bar, but... My tummy doesn't love the dairy. <laughs> true, true. After our last episode, I was just thinking of churros and all of our favorite things. These are a few of our favorite things. <laughs> churros and ice cream and churros and ice cream and Mickey-shaped pretzels. There we go. I mean, I all I did all weekend was watch Disney Plus, so... Nice. Of What'd course, you watch? Mulan, which just took my breath away. Ooh. The scenery, it is so sumptuous that every single frame could be a national geographic photograph it just looked oh. the, the landscapes are breathtaking sumptuous nice thank you it's a five dollar <laughs> adjective there i also i finished eight episodes of earth to ned from the jim henson studios and it is hilarious it is one of the funniest things i have watched all year Oh, I can't wait to watch that. I'm especially excited for the Raven Simone episode. I yes. loved That's the Raven growing up. She is great. She is great. Billy D. Williams is hilarious. Jenny Slate is fantastic. Oh, the yeah. guests are all so good and they play along so well. And it's just so funny because for me, it was in some ways a throwback to the original Muppet show, which had all these mm. sort of like kooky, wild, just crazy things that were happening that the adults could appreciate while the kids just <laughs> like not that they went over the kids heads they just weren't meant for kids um it's not like there's any inappropriate content or anything like that but it's just so funny it works on two levels and i highly recommend that to both of you i did watch the first episode oh yeah i was excited hoping maybe we would get to visit their set but obviously with the way things are i'm just gonna have to watch it and hope for mm -hmm. season two <laughs> maybe one day yes please yeah, I didn't watch a lot of things on Disney Plus this holiday weekend, but I will tell you that Enzo wore his first pair of Disney character pajamas, and Aww. it has been the cutest thing all week. He's been Buzz Lightyear <laughs> and Woody, and I'm just obsessed. So Aww. <laughs> That's so sweet. Well, I'm excited for Zach Ridley, guys, Walt Disney World Resort Portfolio Executive at Walt Disney Imagineering, who's going to be joining us for an interview in just a little bit. So Yes, can't wait for that. Very cool. Talking about all things Disney theme parks. Mm -hmm. And there is some, some great Disney theme park news. Yes, I've been biting my <laughs> tongue waiting for this day to come. We have some Walt Disney World holiday news to share. Woohoo! Yeah! So the fun begins... November 6th, a reimagined holiday celebration at Walt Disney World Resort. It'll be magical. It'll be snowy. It'll be holly. It'll be jolly. And it looks like it'll be delicious, too. There'll be seasonal mm. food and drinks, of course. Yes. So Cinderella Castle, we're getting some 
awesome projection effects with a kaleidoscope of designs, including what I'm most excited for, a whimsical Christmas sweater overlay. Yes. Isn't that so cute? (laughs) It's my dream to match the castle. I'll get a matching sweater. Oh, my gosh. That sounds like a dream. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Add to cart. And then over at Epcot, we've got the Epcot International Festival of the Holidays beginning November 27th. So get your tummies ready because the Holiday Kitchens are returning around World Showcase Promenade, offering favorite dishes such as slow roasted turkey with stuffing at the American holiday table. Yum. Oh, that sounds so good. It it was like a million degrees in LA this weekend, and I am ready for holiday (laughs) eats. (laughs) Yes. Well, also at Walt Disney World, we've got tons of fun character experiences with character cavalcades. Of course, they'll be dressed in their holiday finest. And then over at Disney's Hollywood Studios, Minnie is going to be hosting a Yuletide dining experience at Hollywood and Vine. And Santa Goofy is going to be there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And back over at Epcot Inside World Show Place, there'll be Epcot Joyful, which is going to take guests on a musical journey of holiday tunes. And Jeffrey, I know you're a big fan of Voices of Liberty. I am. I love them. They're going to be at America Gardens Theater using their iconic eight-part harmonies to share the songs Mm. of the season. Maybe, you know what, I'm going to try and be the ninth part of their harmony and add in my own little riff alongside. Oh, you could be doing, you could do Silent Night, Sherry. That's, that's. that's (laughs) What are you trying to say? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I am excited. As you guys know, when I was there in um, early June, I went and spent a lot of time at Disney Springs and they're going to do magical snowfall in town center there and the west side and the landing. And one of my favorites, Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar is going to transform into Jock Lindsay's Holiday Bar with delightful decor. And a limited time menu of some festive favorites. So cannot wait for that. There'll be even more delightful decor at the resort hotels, including iconic Christmas trees, festive flourishes. And of course, Santa Claus will be there. So all of this is happening starting November 6th through December 30th. Woohoo! Well, in other snowy news, we just got word about an all-new short that is debuting exclusively on Disney Plus October 23rd, and it's called Once Upon a Snowman, and you guessed it, it is about Olaf! Yay! Yay! I'm really excited for this. So apparently it tells the untold origins of Olaf, what happened to Olaf within the moments after Elsa created him, how did he learn to love summer? Josh Gad, of course, is voicing Olaf, and this is going to be really good. I can't wait for this one. Oh, I can't wait. Well, last month on the show, we announced the professional dancer lineup for Dancing with the Stars. And on Good Morning America last week, they announced the celebrity cast lineup. And y'all, it is good. (laughs) (laughs) So... The full list is online, but some of the highlights for me personally are Monica Aldama, who is the head coach boss lady who became a sensation after starring in Cheer, which, Mm -hmm. Candace, you actually got me hooked on that show. Oh my gosh, that show was incredible. (laughs) Yes, I have a feeling Monica is going to be an incredible dancer. She's going to like coach herself through it, which is going to be cool, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Then, of course, we've got 
Carol Baskin, who is yes. the CEO of Big Cat Rescue. She became an internet star after Tiger King. Excited to see her on the show. Candace, I feel like this is another one for you. Caitlin Bristow, who was the Bachelorette in season 11. Oh, yeah. I feel like she's going to talk smack all season. <laughs> so it's going to be good. We've also got Sky Jackson, who is the star of Disney Channel's Jesse and Bunked. AJ McLean from the Backstreet Boys. Nelly, who is, if you don't know, Grammy Award winning hip hop artist. I mean, the list goes <laughs> on and on and on. I'm excited for AJ McLean because Backstreet's back, people. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, tune into the season premiere to find out which celebrity dancers they're all paired with. It kicks off live with, as we've mentioned, new host Tyra Banks on Monday, September 14th at 8 p.m. Eastern on ABC. And new judge, Derek Huff. Yes, new judge. Six-time yeah. Mirabal champ Derek Huff is joining as a judge. And if you don't catch it on the ABC, episodes will be available on demand and on Hulu the day following their premieres. I am crazy excited. We, we started the show talking a little bit about Disney Plus and The Mandalorian is back for season two starting Yay. October 30th on Disney+. Plus. Yay, round of uh, applause. <laughs> so excited. Entertainment Weekly just revealed their new covers, which one, of course, which has the child on it. And so ad cute. adorable, adorable. <laughs> so new episodes. Cannot wait to hear more about what the new season is going to bring. Cannot wait to tune in on October 30th. I know, guys, this is big news because I feel like he's podcast family at this point. I'm talking about <laughs> Trevor Torgman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Of course, from Disney Channel Zombies Film Series and Disney Fan Jam. Well, he's joined the cast of Disney Channel's Bunked. So he's been a guest on the show before, but for the fifth season, he's going to join Miranda May's character, Lou, which I think is going to be interesting to see on screen. But congrats to Trevor Torgman. I love Bunked. I never went to summer camp, so I watched that show and I just feel like I'm at camp. Yeah, yes. I think <laughs> yeah. I've mentioned before, I had not watched it until I was staying with my sister's family and Dylan. My niece is obsessed with Bone, so I saw right. several episodes. It's so good. So funny. Well, I know we're all equally excited for the holidays because, you know, they're right around the corner. Not just being They for actually myself, are yeah. this time. It's not like April. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's more valid now. Yeah. But before that, we have Halloween time and a whole month of fun is ahead for Freeform's 31 Nights of Halloween. Yay! Mm -hmm. Yay! Their movie lineup was just announced and includes such hits as The Addams Family, which, by the way, I watched for the first time like three weeks ago. So good. <laughs> Christina Ricci as Wednesday Addams, Angelica yes. Houston as Morticia. I mean... Icon after icon. <laughs> yep. Yep. We've also got Hotel Transylvania and Tim Burton's Corpse Bride. And then new to the lineup this year are Hotel Transylvania 2, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation, The Scorpion King, and 2016's Ghostbusters. But check out the full film schedule online at freeform.com. And then for those who are here in the LA area, I am super pumped for this. Freeform's Halloween Road is coming, yes. and that is a drive-through immersive event. There'll be themed surprises, live entertainment, exciting photo moments, and what is crazy is it's all from the safety of your vehicle. So you just get to be in your car and drive through this crazy cool experience. 
This is the third year in a row that Freeform has created a live event that takes fans on a thrilling journey through some really great films like Hocus Pocus, Ghostbusters, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. Quick little trivia, 2018's Freeform Halloween House is actually our wedding venue. What? <laughs> yeah, That's I mean, it's incredible. not going to be decorated the same way, but <laughs> just something. Yeah. But anyway, so Freeform's Halloween Road, it starts October 2nd, goes through October 4th. It is free, but it does require reservations. So make sure you're online September 12th at 31nightsofhalloween.com to get your spot. I've got a reminder on my phone, so I'm ready. Ooh, I don't think I change my television off of Freeform all October because it's just like <laughs> Halloween, boom, boom, boom. Yes, so I good. Can watch, yeah, these movies. Except over watch and Mandalorian over. now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, in addition to all the fun that Freeform is having, D twenty three is getting in on the spooky season with D twenty three Halloween Hullabaloo. So um, all of my pals at D twenty three are creating incredible content exclusive collectibles, and our first ever virtual D23 Mousquerade contest. So the Mousquerade, I'm sure you guys have seen pictures or even attended a D23 Expo. We're we're going online to do it for Halloween this year. Super fun, great prizes. There's a new sweepstakes with ghoulishly good goodies. We're doing a limited edition pin set. And there's going to be a book launch party for holiday magic at the Disney parks. The book co-written by our pal, Becky Klein from the archives. Um, half of it's about Halloween and half of it's about Christmas. So they're going to do the, the Halloween half, so to speak. Um, mm-hmm. And they're even doing D23 Halloween hullabaloo Disney plus picks. So each week in October, there's going to be a new short form video from friends all around the Disney sharing some of their favorite films that can be found on Disney plus. So there's a whole lot more info on all those things at D23.com. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Disneyland Resort President Ken Potrock put a photo on his Instagram of the first steel beam being placed in the construction of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which it was the last time I really saw you guys. So it's kind of crazy to think like, wow, I'm going to his Instagram right now. It's it's so cool. He's got a great Instagram. And he and and our and our guest, Zach Ridley, they both have terrific Instagrams to definitely be following. Wow, That's so cool. I, I, I can't wait. Yeah, there's the time lapse, which is so yeah. cool. It's great. I can't wait for people here in 2023 to be able to experience that attraction just because I had so much fun with you guys there. So, uh, so looking much. forward to it coming to the West Coast. Yeah. And something coming much sooner than Mickey and Minnie's <laughs> Runaway Railway is. What, Jeffrey? Tell us. Five fantastic things to watch this weekend, courtesy of our friends at D23, the official <laughs> Disney fan club. For the complete details, visit D23.com. <laughs> I feel like you All say right. it with more and more gusto each week. I like can't wait to see what that sounds like a year from now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Well, September 11th, we've got the season finale of Roll the Tape. So all 10 episodes are now on ESPN+. Plus. So this is the new series basically uncovering the funniest, most absurd classic video clips from ESPN's archive of more than 3 million tapes. So they've been premiering every day this week. So really offbeat sports moments that were shown on ESPN. This is kind of, Sherry, like the AFV of sports. Oh, okay, I'm in now. (laughs) Now I understand. Sold. (laughs) Yeah, so good. That's funny. 
Also coming up on Friday, the 1996 101 Dalmatians will be on Freeform with the fabulous Glenn Close as Cruella DeVille. I just love her. And those costumes, the archives has displayed some of those costumes that she wore in both 101 and 102 Dalmatians, and they are insane. So getting to watch them in action is a lot of fun. Well, on that same day, on that same network, Friday on Freeform, we've got Freaky Friday, the 2003 version, which means we've got <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chad Michael Murray, all of our early 2000s loves and current loves. <laughs> Fair. Definitely Fair. watching that one. And sure. on September 12th, you've got a new episode of Amphibia on Disney Channel. Fun. Nice. nice. Airing on the 12th and the 13th, back to Freeform. One of my favorite Disney movies, animated movies, Hercules. So we can all Yay! go the distance this weekend and uh, <laughs> from zero to hero. Today we have with us a multi-talented guy who also happens to be a good friend of mine. Please welcome Walt Disney Imagineering's site portfolio executive for Walt Disney World Resort, Zach Ridley. Woohoo! Yay! Hi, good morning. Welcome. Well, you've been at Walt Disney Imagineering for 16 years, which is amazing. So can you talk about how you got your start and how you grew here in the company? So as you mentioned, I've been with Imagineering for 16 years, which is kind of hard to believe now that you say it out loud. (laughs) And I've had a a few different roles, actually. But when I started, I, I went to school for architecture. I went to undergraduate and then graduate school back to back. And after I graduated, I worked in uh, New York for a couple of years, and I had several friends that lived in LA and just loved the environment here and the multidisciplinary nature of design. And so I was really looking for a, a firm that allowed you to branch out and try a lot of different things with an architecture background. And so anyway, I had heard of Imagineering when I was going through school and obviously growing up, but I wasn't really clear about how broad of a design group that they actually had in-house. One of my alumni contacts who worked in business development connected me with the head of architecture at the time. And after I moved to LA, I just I drove over to Flower Street and, you know, we're in sort of a nondescript area. Um, and so I was thinking, I must be in the wrong place. I have clearly not, not at Imagineering, not at Disney and um, <laughs> checked in and thought I was there for a tour and actually turned out to be a job interview for a, an entry level position as an architect. Wow. And so I said, you know what, this is a once in a career opportunity. I'm going to jump at it and and learn and see what this place is all about. So I never left after 16 years, but it was one of the best moves I ever made. Wow. wow. Well, like Jeffrey said, you're now Imagineering Site Portfolio Executive for Walt Disney World Resort. But can you tell us exactly what that means? Yeah, I, uh, I can. It's a unique role. It's kind of a mouthful there to say. <laughs> I have two different roles that I'm serving kind of in tandem. My main role is the site portfolio executive for Walt Disney World Resort. So what that entails is um, I help oversee all of the Imagineering efforts for that resort. And so I have counterparts at, at each of our resorts globally. And we have three main parts of our role. The first one is um, that we, we are that direct interface to the business partners that run Walt Disney World. So everything Imagineering for them comes through me. And I help represent all of our creative and amazing teams back to the, to the business. The second part of our role is I help oversee all of our Imagineers that are based in Florida. So we have, as you know, a, a resident office there, as well as in Glendale and each of our sites globally. So part of my role there is to 
help not only sponsor and develop all of our teams and talent there, but but also as we bring you know our executive leaders in for reviews or construction tours and sort of just coordinating everything that happens with that office. Uh, and then my third role is helping oversee all the projects. And there's a lot that we do from smaller scale kind of rehabs of existing attractions and assets all the way up through big new lands like what we just opened with Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Well, speaking of both sort of refurbishments and reimaginings and big new things, earlier in the year, I had the chance to experience the Beauty and the Beast sing-along in France, Awesome Planet in the Land, Canada Far and Wide in Canada, Epcot Experience. <laughs> and then all of us were there for the opening of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And we've, of course, all had the chance to ride Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. So it's a lot of new pages in your portfolio. What new offering for guests have you loved experiencing yourself? We realize that that might be like, you know, trying to f pick a favorite child, but <laughs> has there been something that really just resonated with you? Yeah, well, that kind of leads me to the second part of my role, which is that I also am, am in a title called um, the project executive for Epcot. So in addition to my overall site portfolio role, for almost five years now, I've been heading up our Epcot transformation. And this is a little bit of a unique role. We don't have these very often, but when we have a large scale new project, like when we constructed our Shanghai Disney Resort project, which I also worked on earlier in my career, or in the case of Epcot, where we have a lot of projects opening over several years, we have a dedicated role that basically helps oversee all the individual Imagineering efforts, but then also connect to our operators and our partners that run, in that case, Epcot so that we can phase these projects in in a way that is most supportive of the day-to-day -day operations. So that's been an exciting role. And Epcot is a park that I feel like is special and unique in its own way. Um, we've never built anything like this before or since. And it's a park that is constantly evolving and inventing itself. And, and so I find that very fascinating. And how we use design to kind of bring that vision to life is something that I find you know, very rewarding. So what a couple of projects you mentioned were some of the first offerings that we've had open to guests as part of that transformation, including three new films and the Beauty and the Beast sing-along that we, we launched in France is one of the more fun projects to get a chance to work on. Um, we actually had Angela Lansbury, who is in retirement, but come out and actually record some new dialogue for us as the narrator for that show. So that was oh, cool. extremely special to have her. And then Don Hahn, who produced the original animated feature as well as the live action film. He came on and actually produced that project with us. So to get to work with the original creators on something new for Epcot was truly a highlight. That's amazing. Wow. Well, and, and Don was on our show and told similarly excited stories about that opportunity and how happy he was to be able to, to work with everyone and that how Paige went in there and surprised everyone when she was there mm -hmm. one weekend. She told us that like it really it just shows what a, a classic and enduring story that that is for us. For a lot of us that are working on Epcot, you know, we've got Imagineers and, and collaborators who actually grew up when that park opened. And so I always like to say that the team working on it are the biggest fans of the park, <laughs> which I think is, you know, is special. Yeah. Speaking of being a huge fan of the park, can you talk about the decision to incorporate more of those original design elements into the reimagining of the park? Yes. Part of what has been so special about actually my whole career at Imagineering is getting a chance to learn about about the design process that came before us and to understand that 
link kind of through to the beginning of when all these parks were created. When I compare it to my colleagues and friends that work in the design industry outside of Disney, one of the things that makes us really unique is the fact that, you know, we are, Imagineering is kind of the the sole design source that goes all the way back to the founding of each of these parks. And so we've been there through each edition and each change, and we sort of know where all the the details are and all the history is in the work. And having that connection and continuity is rare in the design community. So it's something I find both fascinating as a fan of Disney and always get a chance to learn about what came when and why and, and who worked on it and their individual styles. But there's also a sense of responsibility that I take and our teams take very seriously, not just to the design, but to the guests, to the millions of people who come to these parks and build their own memories in these places that we create. And so with Epcot, it's no different. And I think it's a park that has a lot of loyal fans that we respect and admire. And there's a lot of new fans, people who have never been to this park and want to understand sort of what's in it for me. How can I come and what's Disney about Epcot today and in the future? So that's a lot of our you know design kind of challenge is how to respect the legacy of this park, particularly its aesthetic, which is really unique. It's one thing to design, you know, for a property like Star Wars or, or Avatar or something where you're building a world that folks have visited before in film and making that real. In the case of Epcot, it is a it is the real world. Hmm. You know, when you're in when you're in Epcot, you're in Florida today the entire time you're in the park. So that creates a unique design challenge for us. Well, I've got to admit, I'm Insta-stalking you right now and checking out (laughs) photos of the pylons at the Epcot main entrance fountain. We've talked about it on the show before. So incredible looking. Can you talk a little bit more about designing that? This has been a really fun part of of our reveal because as Imagineers, we like to kind of save those finishing details to the end and reveal them to the world and kind of a complete statement. And Part of what we always joke about with with our Epcot transformation is the fact that the entire construction is is on stage for everyone to see. In fact, we have an entire monorail <laughs> that, <laughs> that you know, spans one of our major construction sites in the center of the park. So we're not hiding anything, which actually for us, we embraced. And we said, you know, late last year after our, uh, our reveal of a lot of the new details at our D23 Expo, we opened an experience center in the park to be able to showcase for guests and future fans and current fans of the park what's coming. And our intent is to continue to use that experience to reveal details as they happen sort of real time to guests. And so the pylons that you mentioned, we knew from the beginning we always wanted to bring some of these original details back to the main entrance as part of our transformation. So we brought some new design elements in terms of the the planters and the some of the details that are going into what we call area development, which is all the landscaping and new hardscaping that's gone in. We had to do all of that with the park open. So we had a really intricately organized phasing plan that Mm. that actually did this in quadrants over time. And the center part of that is the original fountain basin that we're reusing. So this is from the park opening in 1982. It is still being finished, but we did install the pylons, and they're 16 feet tall each, Whoa. Um, which is kind of hard to believe. When we saw them laying on the ground, you know, that's more than <laughs> that's more than three people. You know? <laughs> and, but they're fantastic, and they're fabricated uh, differently than the originals, but they're meant to look 
and be the same size and weight. And uh, But we're going to bring some new details, which we have not yet revealed. Ooh, we'll keep an eye out. Well, you mentioned from the monorail, you get a bird's eye view of some of the incredible construction and projects going on at Epcot. So how are things going? What can, what can you tell us? So yeah, the construction continues to go well. Actually, when I was on site a few weeks back, I got a chance to tour our Ratatouille attraction, which is Angry Grand Pavilion. Yes. Have you all ridden the Ratatouille attraction in Paris? I, I have. have. Okay. Yay. I have not. <laughs> okay, well, Candace, first on my Candace. list Candace. when I get back there. <laughs> Remy and Ratatouille is, is such a charming story and a perfect fit for Epcot and obviously our storytelling in France. And so it's created some unique design challenges for us because one, you know, situating a brand new attraction in World Showcase real estate is tight. So how we actually were creating some of our own magic to, to create the room to introduce this really entire new area to the park was its own unique feat. But the other part, which we worked with our partners at Pixar on, as well as our fantastic design teams, is figuring out how to transition from real France, which is obviously the, the front of the pavilion, is mirroring you know, facades and details that you see all over Paris, and transitioning that into the, the world of Paris and the world of France that you see in the film stylistically is pretty different, but, and obviously before you get a chance to shrink down to the size of Remy and go on his great adventure, which happens inside the, the show box. So was able to tour that work. Some of that you can see from our Skyliner attraction, which actually is another unique ah. element mm. that transverses over the pavilion as you leave Epcot, the back of Epcot at International Gateway going into our resort district. But you can see bits and pieces of this new area that are coming along, but there's a few details in there that I think guests won't be able to see until we open this area that, again, uh, not only harken back to the film, but harken back to Epcot's history. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But there's going to be some great reveals and details for our guests to explore. Ooh, I'm going to eat less nice. next time I'm there and go on that first. That's going to be my first <laughs> thing. How are things progressing at the resort, too? Because you guys have a ton of exciting things happening over there. I feel lucky in my role as the portfolio executive because when I came into this role almost two years ago, we had the single largest amount of project work going on at any one time in the resort's history. So wow. we were, you know, if you think about over the last year, just the number of projects that have been revealed and come online for guests to enjoy at the resort, we had Coronado Resort, the Grand Destino Tower, which is spectacular, mm -hmm. had a chance to visit. Beautiful. The Skyliner, our Riviera Resort, which opened um, last year. And then Galaxy's Edge, one of the largest lands we've ever opened at two coasts almost at the same time. As you mentioned at the beginning, Rise of the Resistance, which is just an unbelievable, epic uh, attraction. And to have that entire land complete and open to guests. And, and then Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, which opened in March. Not only is it the first ride-through attraction based on Mickey Mouse, but it's just incredibly inventive in terms of how the Imagineering team that worked on that came up with how to bring the world of Mickey and Minnie to life uh, and, and put you really in a Mickey short. So we've had an incredible range of things opening, but each of the projects are special and unique. And I'm glad that all of your fans and all of our fans are able to come and visit. Well, speaking of fans, what are three hidden gems, things that even the most intense Disney fan may not have noticed at Walt Disney World? Hmm. That's a good question. I can give you some of my favorite spots. How about that? 
because they have some sure, of my, sure. my favorite details in them. It's hard to pick a favorite of anything because there's so many great projects. One of my favorite spots in Walt Disney World is the stretching room at Haunted Mansion. It's just such oh, a yes. it's such an iconic, but also quite functional element of the attraction. And you know, as a kid going in there and, and not knowing what kind of magic brought this to life, but as always for me is almost as much fun as the ride itself is the pre-show and and is the stretching room, and it gives part of that back to what I mentioned this design legacy of Imagineering to know that there's entire generations of magic makers who invented. Not only the technology, but the storytelling behind each of these attractions. And these are classics that live on today. So the stretching room is one of my favorites, both for the design and just for the sheer kind of setup that it creates. The other one, which is similar, is the courtyard at the Tower of Terror in in Disney's Hollywood Studios, which (laughs) everything from the fake dead plants to the kind of... um, (laughs) 1930s inspired background music. It's something that, you know, living in Los Angeles, it's it's a kind of a, a view of Hollywood that you don't see, um, <laughs> but it, it harkens back to an era and, and it does some of the, to me, some of the things that Imagineering does best, which is it transforms you and, and transports you to a place and a time and a feeling. If you've never been there, you can feel it. And that allows you to really absorb the story that we're, we're telling and setting up in this case with just a spectacular thrill attraction in, in Tower of Terror. So that's my second. Nice. The third one is is actually on a different coast. It is the Carthay Circle Theater at Buena Vista mm. at Disney's California Adventure. And the reason for that is that was the first design project that I worked on when I started Imagineering. So full circle, literally, <laughs> the first <laughs> the first project when I came into Imagineering, I started in our architecture department. And at the time, so this was in 2004, we were fast building Hong Kong Disney Resort, which was was opening the next year. We had just opened the Tower of Terror in California Venture. Our leaders really said, we, we want to tackle a new vision, which became a transformation of, of that park, of Disney's California Adventure. And one of the areas that we wanted to bring you know, a new story and kind of an increased level of Disney magic and, and history and legacy was what became Buena Vista Street. So they said, you know, you're just joining us. We want you to help us with research. And I didn't quite know what that meant. I was just I was <laughs> imagineering and just learning how this process of, of kind of taking and absorbing historical architecture and finding a way to compose that in a unique Disney way. And so I spent two years <laughs> researching all over different libraries, all over Los Angeles, looking at historical buildings like LA, wow. different parts of California that had existed at one point, but also had a Disney connection. But the most memorable one was Carthay Circle Theater, which I didn't know about until I started this project, but was a historic theater that was built on San Vicente here in Los Angeles. It was built in 1926. It was this grand movie palace in an era when those were very much in style. And uh, it was Spanish colonial revival. But its Disney connection was that was where uh, Snow White premiered in 1937. So Obviously, Disney's first full-length animated feature has that connection to this building. The building was sadly demolished in the late 60s. And so it was actually really hard to find some of the original architectural drawings and photographs. I looked for about a year with no luck. And in the basement of the LA Public Library, I found a photo box literally buried in the back of the library, never been digitized. 
that were insurance photographs. So a lot of these developers, when they would build these historic buildings, would hire photographers to photograph all the details so that in, in case they had a fire or something in the future, they could point to the photographs and have that be the record to have the building replaced. So it was an amazing find, several hundred pictures that we were able to then bring back to Imagineering and use to recreate all the details on the interior and exterior of that building. Had we not found that, we would not have been able to bring that building to life the way that we did in Buena Vista Street. And it took another five years that project finished in 2012. So it was almost eight years from when I started to when that building opened. But it gave me a front row seat to the process that Imagineering goes through. And and even today, when I walk through the park and I stand in that circle outside and look back at the facade of this theater, you know, it gives me goosebumps to know that we were able to bring this kind of thing back and, and again, that it has this unique Disney connection. Wow. wow. Well, thank goodness yeah. for insurance photos. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every other day. Um, <laughs> well, all right. So since you are the site portfolio executive for Walt Disney World Resort, we thought we would ask you about some of your Walt Disney World Resort favorites. So we're sure you have favorites from other parks around the world, but we're, we're going to focus on Orlando. So are you ready? I'm ready. Favorite attraction? Oof. I'd say Spaceship Earth. Mm. Good one. All right. Favorite World Showcase Pavilion? Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I love details about all of them. Uh, I would say France. Oui, oui. I'm glad you said France because you you were in that video in France and I yes. showed all those fun details. So I thought, it's got to be France, right? I'm going to be consistent. <laughs> yes, it's France. <laughs> if you know what video I'm talking about, you can check it out on the Parks blog. <laughs> all right. Favorite character to see in the park? Hmm. I, well, we can see him in a lot of places. I think, I think Jiminy Cricket because he is so hard. Oh, Yes. All right. Favorite restaurant? I see in all of Walt Disney World. Uh, I think California Grill at the Contem- Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> Favorite resort? Wow. You know, when I first stepped into the site portfolio role, I committed to stay at every one of our on-site hotels. And it's, I'm continuing. I have not completed my quest, but I'm, I'm fairly close. I would say... Right now, my favorite, because I think it evolves as I as I get a chance to experience each resort, is Disney's Riviera Resort. Oh, nice. beautiful! Yeah, I love the design details. I love the location, and it's got it's got direct access to the Skyliner. True, nice. And it has a bunch of hidden Disney Cruise Line ships in the artwork, which, yeah. <laughs> as Candace and Sherry know, my jam, my jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, here comes my jam. What's your favorite Walt Disney World snack? Favorite Walt Disney World snack? Well, it has to be the Dole Whip. Ooh, yes. well Yum. All right. And now this one's a broader one. This doesn't have to be Walt Disney World, but we, we do ask all of our guests about their favorite Disney memory. Well, I grew up on the East Coast, so my first memories were all at Walt Disney World. So with this role, I feel like I've come full circle in at least my connection to Disney and, and to Disney Parks. My first memory of visiting Walt Disney World, and, and I think it's my favorite, is was going to Epcot. And I 
can remember coming into the park uh, and I've seen these pictures later and it brings back such great memories, but I mentioned Spaceship Earth. That was the first attraction we went on. I was right at the front of the park. So that was my first Disney attraction ever. And one, I remember thinking, where does this ride take place? I, I didn't understand how all of that fit into the <laughs> geodesic sphere right at the front of the park. Mm-hmm. So even as a kid, I was fascinated with with Imagineering's ability to create magic, right? To put these stories in front of you in ways that I've never seen anywhere else in the world in, in any of my design career. So Spaceship Earth, and I can remember visiting that, writing that, seeing all those various scenes play out and the Seas Pavilion and uh, the hydrolators, which used to be an elevator system that was at the, at the front of the attraction that would actually take you to Sea Base Alpha, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. down for the seas to, to see in the tanks. And again, it's those kinds of touches, that sense of there is a story here that we're setting up that you're a part of. It's your adventure. And no matter what Disney park you go to, you're a part of that. And I think that's why the memories that we create are so powerful. So those are those are two of my probably favorite and first Disney memories, the Seas Pavilion and Spaceship Earth. God, I remember those hydrolators. Those are crazy. Zach, thank you for being with us. For for I mean, Sherry, Candace, and I are already insta stalking you at the Zach Ridley. Um, so everyone else should be following you as well to see all the amazing things you're working on and and some of the the project milestones that you've been able to post about. So thank you so much for joining us today yeah, and, and for you. your stories. No, thank you for having me. And yeah, please follow us on Instagram. You know, for me, what's so great about our Instagram site is the chance to showcase all the great work that is going on with our Imagineers across Walt Disney World Resort. And I, I have a great role and a great opportunity to take part of, you know, this work that plays out over so many projects, so many parks, you know, our biggest site. So there's always something new, but it wouldn't be possible without all the amazing Imagineers that I get to work with every day. So a shout out to them and we'll continue to feature all that work on, on Instagram and We appreciate all of your support and all of your fans. I don't know about you, but I would like to see inside that portfolio. It seems like all the best. Yes, I want to see it all. I want to see it all. I can't wait to experience it all, too. Uh, We'll keep insta-stalking him and finding updates. Thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney news, check out d23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all-new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.